everybody, and welcome to another episode of Friendly Local Game Pod, the podcast where Rachel and I talk about board games that we're excited about, board games that we're looking forward to or interested in, and just whatever other nerdy stuff we feel like talking about. How are you, Rachel? I'm doing great, Jenna. How are you? I am good. Ready to talk about games, and I don't know. I'm just excited to be here. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) So what have you been playing? Well, I've been playing Bargain Quest, and this is an older game, but it's one that I have a lot of nostalgia for because it was one of the first games that I started playing when we started getting into more complex games. And uh, not that it's a complex game exactly, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, more c- complex than Monopoly, right? yes. <laughs> you know. But the cute thing about this game is that it's done by a brother and a sister team. The designer is Jonathan Ying, and the artist is Victoria Ying. And Victoria Ying worked for Disney Studios. So it has sort of a, not a Disney feel to it, but a very like, it's a little cartoony um, and whimsical is, is what I would say. But this is all about running a shop in a fantasy town. And so you're not playing the adventures, you're selling to the adventures. <laughs> First, you do a, a drafting of different items that you're going to put in your shop. And the shops are so cute. They're all different. They're personal game boards and they open up. And at the top of it is where you're putting a display item out. And you're not selling that item, but that's what's going to lure different adventures out. So there's like an adventuring party out in front of everybody and you're trying to get one of them to come to your shop. And it also determines turn order because there are little hearts on the side of the card. And so, you know, you might have a great item that'll bring a lot of people in, but it doesn't have many hearts. So you won't get to go first. So you won't get to choose the adventure you want to come in. <laughs> you know, so it's it's kind of that like, do I want to go first? Do I want to sell more? <laughs> and the whole point of the game, obviously, it's a, a shopping game is to get the most money. So you've got your shop and you could have the adventure come in and you're trying to sell different things to the adventure. Now, it might be something that will help them because later they're going to go fight a monster. So it might be helpful. It might add something to their hits or, you know, might give them some defense or something like that. Or you may just pawn off your junk onto (laughs) them to get more money (laughs) and get rid of cards from your hand. So so that's kind of cool. And the, the items and the adventures are all funny. They've got funny little things on them. And it's just cute. And then you've got the round where you fight. And this is weirdly cooperative, semi cooperative, because at that point, when you're going to go fight the monster, they're not your adventure anymore. They're collective, and they're fighting against that monster. Now, you might want that adventure to come back in the next shopping round, so you might equip them really well to do that. But it's not a guarantee that they're going to survive the encounter with the monster. And if they do survive, they'll get some money from the encounter they get less money if the monster survives and they get more money if they defeat the monster. If you're, if the adventurer dies, a, a new one comes in with a fresh load of cash. So it may not be detrimental to get rid of an adventure either. So <laughs> sacrifice them yeah. to the monster gods. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so then you fight the monster together and then there's that new round of shopping and you can add things to store cards in your shop. You can add assistance to your shop that bring in 
they may do a little take that to your <laughs> opponents, mm-hmm. um, allow you to steal something, or you can display more items. There's another display piece that you can add to your shop. So it's all, I don't know, it's all thematic and it's cute and I just really enjoy it. I It's not one that I would play every week, but it's definitely one that I introduce to people who are newer to games who like that sort of adventuring mm-hmm. thing and like the tongue-in-cheek jokes and puns in it. The one thing I'll say is it it outstays its welcome. Mm-hmm. Because there, agree. <laughs> yep, there are three <laughs> monsters that you're fighting. So what I like to do when playing this game is just grab a harder monster, because usually you're doing them randomly by level, and you start with an easy one, and you move up to the boss monster, right? I just choose a boss monster, and I don't do three monsters, because it just goes too long. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're playing with a lot of people. And this is kind of a game that's more fun with more people, I think. Yeah. So that is Bargain Quest. Uh, it's put out by Renegade Game Studios, and it's not very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say it's under $30. Yeah, it's, just, it's a relatively small box game, but it does yeah. take up a decent amount of space on a table, but yeah. it's not a big box. No, no, mm-hmm. it's not a big box. And it, it was originally self-published, but Renegade Game mm-hmm. Studios produces it now. So uh, yeah, Bargain Quest. Very cool. That one is one I probably should play again now. We played it, uh, you know, right kind of when it first came out. We were excited Mm -hmm. about it. We were at the game store. And I just remember getting done with it and being like, it's a game I'll play if somebody asked me to, but I'm not overly excited about it. Right. Like, I was very neutral on it. And I think part of that is I, I get really sort of down on games that outstay their welcome because I, I, I feel like if it, it just is so detrimental to the experience for me. Like, I would rather have a game that ends too quickly rather than a game that outstays its welcome. Yeah. Um, even though that can be frustrating when you're like, oh, I just needed like two more rounds or one more round to accomplish what I wanted. I think I think Embargo Quest was one of the first games that I really felt that. And I guess I think it really bothers me because I talk about <laughs> yeah. it quite a bit. So yeah. it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think home ruling it to, to reduce mm-hmm. the monsters. It, because then like... So you do one round with a monster, you mm-hmm. can always throw in another monster right. and do another yeah. full round. You know, yeah. not round, but yeah, I guess round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. do another uh, monster to to lengthen the game if you want to, but yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't need it. You don't need three monsters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but agreed. What, what I think is really cool is they have um, the night market and they have like a sunken, yes, like an sunken underwater treasures, one. I think, yeah, yeah, and we haven't done those yet. Yeah, and I, I curious to see if they add to the game mm-hmm. or if it adds more complication yeah you know so i wonder if if it fixes anything about the length that yeah. would be cool but i haven't looked into it that much yeah. interesting hmm. yeah how about you well we just played okay so both of us i believe have scandinavian roots yes yes um mine is more i think norwegian swedish and mm-hmm. yours is well i'm sort of a mixed bag yeah. of uh England, Ireland, and Scotland, but, yeah. and Wales, but <laughs> um, but I have genetically <laughs> roots yes. to yeah. to Norway, Sweden. Okay, I'm very English, and then I'm the Norwegian countries as well. Yeah. So we picked up a game, and this is a WizKids game, actually, which a little bit surprised me because it, it just doesn't really. I mean, it does fit the mold in gameplay, but the it's a pretty cool box, and it's really unique art. Um, it's called Jacques Mock. Uh, the winter market. Now, here's a little history lesson for you, because that's what you wanted today in your board game podcast. 
Jacques Mac is an actual community and it's in Sweden. So it's in the province of Lapland. And every year since 1605, they've had the Jacques Mac market. And I'm probably saying this incorrectly and I apologize for that, but it's the first Thursday in February every year, every year. And now I know where I want to go after Christmas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thousands of people gather in the town for concerts, exhibitions, and trade in one of the most important social events for the Sami people. Now, oh, I was sitting here cool. and I was like, okay, Sami people, that sounds really familiar. Why do I know that? Like, I'm not super into, like, the history, and maybe I should be, but, like, I don't know a ton about the history or the peoples that live in these countries. And so, I, but I'm like, why do I know that? Like, that's weird that I would, that, that I would recognize that. Well, if you've ever seen the Christmas movie Klaus on Netflix, pretty sure it's Netflix, it's this cute little story about this spoiled brat who ends up becoming the postman and his dad sends him to this middle of nowhere place. And there's some native people that live there. Like there's this Mm -hmm. terrible community where it's like the Hatfields and the McCoys and they all fight. And this postman's supposed to try to like make this a booming post office when nobody cares. Nobody (laughs) wants to send letters. So it's kind of like a retelling of like how Santa Claus came to be. Okay. And but they they come across this tribe and it's the Sami tribe. It's a Sami people. And and so that's how I knew it because they say it in the movie like oh that those are the Sami people and they don't speak, you know, in the movie they're speaking English which is n- not real. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the Sami people do not. And and it was so that's where I recognized it from which was really interesting. Anyways, there's mm-hmm. your history lesson. So Jacques Mac mm-hmm. is a real place that has a real winter market and that's what this game is named after. So they, it's more of a folk festival. And so the idea is that you and your family are attending the festival and you're just trying to collect cute little trinkets and you're trying to eat all the food and just enjoy being in this market and gathering these items and experiencing what it has to offer. So you have these two little meeples and if you've ever played like Takedo, where it's that mechanism where the f- person who's the furthest behind gets to go, Patrick okay. does the same thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Similar mechanism for this. I believe Trekking Through History has that kind of as well. If you're the person who's farthest behind, you get to go. And there's just these cards around the board that are from five different sets. The game itself comes with more than five sets. I can't remember how many. You can kind of mix and match them depending on what kind of game you want to play. So some of them are set collection. There's a cute one. So then you're gathering these cards, like you move your meeple to what card you want and claim it. There's one that's a patchwork quilt. So what you're trying to do is match the colors of the patchwork quilt and you gain points based on how well you match. You can collect, we call them Dalahasses, Dalahorses. There's a full mm-hmm. name for them, but I can't remember what the full name is. It's yeah. Da- yeah. So you can collect those. Those are just worth a lot of points. You can collect hot dogs, but that one was interesting. If you had the most hot dogs, you only got half points from them. So if you didn't have the most hot dogs, then you got your full <laughs> points from them because, I mean, you got sick because you were too full. Um <laughs> And so they, and then like you were collecting these little teapots and then you, but you had to have them in sets of three. So it was kind of almost like elements of like sushi go where you're doing these collecting, okay. but it's not yeah. a draft. It's more like Takedo where you're moving around to try to gain. And then there's a day phase and a night. Well, there's day cards and night cards because the, the market transitions from day to night. And then for some sets, there's like a midday scoring. So you'll, ha- you'll stop when the night cards come out quick and do a score, depending on the set that you use. It was super simple, super easy. We were playing in like 10 minutes. It was just very enjoyable. Like I I think we could play this with with Jordan's family. We could we could play it with my family. Like it's pretty easy to learn and it's just it's a great little 
I don't know, a great little family game. Like, I, I don't think it's overly complex. The The biggest issue would be with kiddos is probably some of the dependency on, on reading because, like, you might need to kind of read what's happening. But if you were helping them, you could easily, they could just pick what card they wanted and they would enjoy it because they're just collecting trinkets when you play. So, I don't know. It's just very, very cute. Um, I love the cute. artwork. I The theme, it did fit. Like, you kind of did feel like you were bopping around and collecting trinkets from these different stalls. And, you know, there's that strategy of, well, I can jump way far ahead to get the card that I want, but then I miss a bunch of options. Right. You know, so you're yeah. trying to balance those things. Yeah, thoroughly enjoy this one. So Jacques Mock Winter Market, put out by WizKids, designer Henrik Larson. Yeah, very, it's very, it's, very good. Highly recommend. Sounds super cute. Yes, this would be just a great winter game. I mean, I even think the 45-minute playing time is probably more dependent on which sets you use and how complex they are. I think we were started to finish the first time through in less than 45 minutes with three wow. people. I mean, granted, we're all pretty seasoned gamers. It was pretty straightforward. And Jordan had kind of watched a couple playthroughs, but we picked it up super fast. And I think we were done in 45 minutes or less. So that's pretty accurate, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's Shockmock. Cute. Mm-hmm. It's funny that we both chose games about shopping. Shops. <laughs> yeah, I did think of that. I was like, so nerdy shop board games. That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the theme for the episode. All right. What are you looking forward to? So I am looking forward to a solo game that's on Kickstarter. And I finally annoyed Jacques hard enough to allow me to get it. Not allow me, but you know, we're right. trying to we're trying to be good right now. And mm-hmm. of course, it's near Christmas time, so mm-hmm. a lot of money's going out the yes. door. <laughs> I've got a lot of nieces and nephews, yep. but he did agree that this could be my Christmas present. <laughs> so I backed Spiritfire. It's a living game, and it's by Orange Nebula, the same people that did Unsettled and Vindication. And if you've played Unsettled, you know that there are different modules that you can play. It sounds like this is going to be similar, Mm. but a solo game. The really cool thing about this game is that your character is on a journey, and on that journey, you are having encounters and solving things throughout the story, but there's no combat at all. Hmm. It's all using your wits to come up with solutions to these things. And how you react to these different issues is going to impact if you complete a quest or how your character develops going mm-hmm. forward. And I just think that's such a cool concept. I So in when I'm a dungeon master, game master in a an RPG game, I do tend to go combat light mm-hmm. uh, because there are a lot of RPGs you can play that are combat heavy. And for me, I think it's more interesting to have character development than it is to have a fight with 50 goblins every day. Mm-hmm. You know? So, And I, I enjoy that overarching story. I'm really excited for this one. Just watching the developers explain how the game mechanisms work was just really interesting. And it's mm-hmm. complex, so I'm not going to get too into it right now until I have a chance to play it. But basically, your abilities ebb and flow throughout the game. Mm-hmm. And it's a because that's more true to real life. Like there are some days that you your strength is sapped for a reason or your your focus is off. And so it's it's not like you just ratchet up those abilities over time. They're just they're gonna ebb and flow. Hmm. But I thought that was cool. And then at the end of your journey, your character doesn't die. They just complete whatever personal journey they're on. Hmm. 
and they impart that to the next character so you can play again. And I think that that's just clever. And if it's anywhere near as clever as Unsettled, I think it'll be a really good game. Yeah. And I've been looking for a good uh, solo game to play that I can just kind of leave out and tinker with, Mm -hmm. you know. So yeah, so that is Spiritfire. What are you excited for? So we just got in, I think, like yesterday, maybe, Unmatched Adventures, Tales <gasps> to Amaze. Oh, fun. So we like Unmatched in our house, and I am not a big battle game person, and I like Unmatched. It's short. I'm, I'm terrible at it. This is one of those games that I, <laughs> I fairly consistently lose, even when I teach a new player. So whatever strategery is needed for this type of game, I'm not great at. But I still enjoy it. And what I like about it is you've got all these different characters and you get to pick who you want to play. And then it's a quick 30 minute top battle. Like, and that's even tops. Like you'd have to be trying to expand it out. And there is a set limit. Like you're going to die eventually. Somebody is. Like there's no way to, it's not like Unstable Unicorns or the Killer Bunnies game where you Mm -hmm. can extend it on forever and ever and ever. Right. Because you can just keep trying to prevent somebody else from winning. So I'm really excited because this one is a cooperative version of Tales to Amaze where you are banding together to fight one of two villains, either Mothman or the Martian Invader. And they have (laughs) minions that they could play with, Mm -hmm. which are the Jersey Devil, Ant Queen, Loveland Frog, the Blob, Tarantula, and Skunk Ape. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And there's four new heroes. So you get Nikola Tesla. So he discharges electrified coils. Annie Christmas gets stronger when she's fighting from behind people. The Golden Bat, who's the world's first superhero. And then Dr. Jill Trent Science Sleuth calls on a collection of gizmos. So, and those then heroes you can then use to fight other heroes when you do the combative version. Okay. And then you can take previous heroes from old sets and try to defeat Mothman and the Martian Invader with them. So... In true unmatched tradition, Mm everything is kind of mix and matchable, which is, I think, is very cool and very clever. Yep. So, but I like that this one is, so this particular one, I I can't imagine they're not going to come out with more of these just because that's that's the way. And the art of all the unmatched series is just freaking cool. It is. It's really really fun to see what they come up with. So this this Tales to Amaze is themed around the pulp adventures, tall tales, and local legends of the mid-20th century. So I just think that's cool. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm really excited for this one. Jordan's really excited for this one. And I like that it's not campaigny. I actually thought it was at first. And I was like, okay. Okay, so we've got Adventure Tactics. We've got all these games, you know, campaign games, Jaws of the Lion. Yeah. And I was like, man, I want another campaign. And Jordan's like, oh, no, it's not campaign. And I was like, oh, you're right. It's not. It's you just like try to fight the Mothman. That's your scenario. It's kind of like, um, what's the other game that we play? The Universal Monsters. Oh, Horrified. Horrified. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Kind of like Horrified. Okay. Yep. So that makes me happy, too. I, I Not that I dislike campaign games. I do like them. We just don't need another one right no, now. No. So. <laughs> I, I know. It's, they're too hard to get to the table. Yeah. So I, that's what I'm excited about. Unmatched Adventures, Tales to Amaze. It's, it's very highly rated on Board Game Geek right now. Now, granted, it's very new. So it's, you know, hard to tell. But the community does say it's it's best at two. We're going to try it, I think, at three this weekend. So we'll we'll report back in on that and maybe try it a couple ways, see how it goes. Yeah. That's what I'm excited about. Very cool. What other nerdy things have you been up to? Well, I don't know how nerdy it is, but um, I've been cooking. Uh, like last time, I think I talked about making Indian food. Mm-hmm. So uh, with some more of the beef that you gifted me. 
I made, and I, this is a big deal for me, I want to preface, because we did not eat a lot of beef growing mm-hmm. up. My grandfather passed away in his early 60s from a heart attack. So the recommendation was at the time, and I think it still is, to mm-hmm. avoid red meat. Mm-hmm. And so my mom was just very careful. My mom has a heart condition as well. So she, you know, we did a lot of chicken breasts mm-hmm. and a lot of veggies and a lot of whole grains, which is great. But that's wonderful. But we didn't do a lot of beef. In fact, like, I remember my parents, like, on their anniversary, my mom would make filet mignon for them. (laughs) (laughs) But so I just don't have a lot of practice cooking red meat. Mm -hmm. And to the point where I tried to make steak for Jacques when we were first married, and he was like, yeah, um, maybe I should cook this steak. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe you should. <laughs> I didn't even know what cut of meat to ask for. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I served him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I made beef and Guinness pie. And so this is the New York Times recipe that I used. And it is beef and carrots and onions and garlic and rosemary and and a ton of butter. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And you make this delicious gravy, like gravy stew kind of thing, and it slow cooks for a long time. And then you put you make a short pastry. And I actually made the pastry. I didn't I didn't buy it pre purchased, which is usually my go to. (laughs) And it is also a ton of butter. (laughs) And you put that over top of it and bake it. Mm -hmm. And it looked beautiful. It tasted amazing. It was like the richest meal I've ever eaten in my yum, life. Yum, yum. We ate it for like three days because it's so rich. And it's not a very big thing. I think it was in an eight by eight pan. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I didn't think it would last as long as it did. But <laughs> it's so rich and so heavy that we only ate a little bit each night. But I was just really very pleased with myself yeah. because pie crust is not my thing. <laughs> Red meat is not my thing. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's really nice to be able to find a new skill or, you know, mm-hmm. learn a new thing. And I was, I'm proud of me. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my be. nerdy cool. thing. Very so cool. how about you? So Jordan's birthday was not, not that long ago. And <laughs> one of the things when you and your spouse are both nerdy about similar things is sometimes the spouse's birthday means you get presents too. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not intentional, but he got a new Switch game called Dead Cells, which I, when he said it to me, I was like, what a weird name for a game. Like, yeah. That's so weird. And he's like, I really think you'd like it because I grew up on platformer games, right? Like Mario and those side-scrolling yep. jump around platform type games. And um, what I'm not good at is like combat battle games. So this is like a platformer with a little bit of combat. And and so I've talked about Slay the Spire in the past. This is kind of like the non-card game version of Slay the Spire. Okay. Right? Like you're you're fighting these enemies and then what what it does though is what I like about it is it, it intends for you to keep dying. So like you you want to get as far as you can, collect as many of these cells as you can by defeating enemies and then you're you're finding blueprints for weapons and you're learning more things and then when you die some of that stuff, some of that memory gets retained, but if you get to different points, you can like upgrade your stuff using the cells that you have. And so oh, okay. you're kind of making yourself a little bit more powerful every time you run through. Oh, okay. um, Jordan calls it a rogue light game, which I sometimes pretend I know what that means. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, but it's so, but that's what I like. I mean, like, yes, sometimes I get frustrated that like, oh man, I lost nine or 10 cells because I died. But like, there's enough checkpoints along the way that you're still making progress. So like, if you play for, you know, 20 minutes, I probably reached two checkpoints in the meantime and was able to drop off 15 or 16 cells. And then I maybe lost four at the end because I died. And mm-hmm. then the weapons are kind of cool. Um, and different weapons do different things. And there's different stats. They'll cause bleeding or they'll cause poison or they'll cause whatever. So it's kind of like gearing up to figure out what you want to use. And your character's a little headless guy. Um <laughs> Because that's the very first thing is they chop off his head. Oh, no. And then like he – so basically the cells bring him to life kind of thing. And he's just like a light on the – like he's just like oh, a glowy okay. orb on his head. And then he's running around and he can't talk. And But you can like interact with your environment a little bit. So like I knock on doors and talk to people and you discover random things along the way. And there's little Easter eggs for some of the discoveries. One of them, I came across the whale that's in Slate Aspire. So there's a whale that like gives you your stuff at the beginning of the game, which is so random. But the he showed up in this game and he was very confused. He's like, here are your cards. And then he's like, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. Because you're, you're in, not in Slate Aspire. So there's some cute little things in there. It's more addicting than I thought it would be. I kind of thought I'd be done with it after the first few times. And nah, I'm in. It's fun. It's actually, I get the same feeling of it that I get from Slay the Spire where I'm like, you know what? If I sit down for 20 minutes, I can do like a run and then I'm good, you know, and I'll do that in Slay the Spire where I'll just do a run, get as far as I can. And then if I die, I die. If I make it to the end, great. And then I'm kind of done. And I like that where I'm not overly addicted to play for a bunch of hours but now Mm -hmm. I'm kind of to the point where I'm happy where it's just a nice brain break I can sit down and play for 20 minutes and then go back so that's dead cells it's on the switch it might be on other platforms as well but if it sounds interesting it is it's kind of fun I enjoy it it's yeah it's good and even if you're bad at combat this one isn't hard okay so (laughs) (laughs) it takes a little bit of learning but there aren't too many buttons so it's fine that sounds fun yeah so it was good all right well that's what we have for this week. Um, I hope everybody is doing well and that you're getting the opportunity to play games. And just a reminder to be kind to each other. We'll see you soon. Bye.